Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to Edge's Refuel and Recharge. Hopefully this finds you all safe and well. Thanks for joining us this evening. My name is Todd Richardson, and I have the pleasure of serving as CEO of Edge Mentoring. Tonight is our sixth session of uh, our Refuel and Recharge series. And I'm telling you now, get out your pen and paper. You can ignore me right now. Go grab it because uh, Nathan Harmon's message tonight is going to be chock full of impactful and practical guidance. You're going to want to take notes. So for those that have not taken part in our Refuel and Recharge series, this series features a lineup of notable speakers who will spark honest conversations about mental health and wellness and provide you guidance on how we can all take better care of our hearts and our minds. We have a tremendous lineup of speakers that have gone before Nathan and coming in the, uh, in the upcoming weeks, including business executives and authors and thought leaders and mental health professionals. Uh, check us out at edgementoring.org. You can uh, take a peek at all of the previous recordings and see what is ahead of us. So technology, Zoom, we seem to be on it now all the time. It's revolutionizing how we're communicating but it still uh, can hiccup, us, hiccup on us at some time. So should we experience any type of connection issues this evening, know that we are taping Nathan's presentation and we'll be distributing it in coming days. So for those that are not familiar with EDGE, we are a nonprofit that promotes whole person development by connecting generations in meaningful mentoring relationships. We do this through programming like Edge Groups, Edge at Work, and events like this series. Now, we are all meant for community, be it live or virtual in this manner, and we would love for you to be part of our Edge community. So, if you're a young person seeking a virtual mentor, a more seasoned person that's wanting to get into the mentoring game, or a business owner executive that wants to offer development opportunities to your employees, Edges for you. Again, check us out at edgementoring.org and see all that we have to offer. We would love to welcome you to our family. Launching a series of this magnitude is no small feat and could not have been done without the generous support of our two presenting sponsors, First Person and Thrivent, as well as an anonymous donor family uh, that has a real passion for mental wellness. You can find out more about our sponsors by clicking on the chat button at the bottom of your screen and then following the links in the chat session. Uh, I would welcome you to do that. As a nonprofit, EDGE relies largely on the generosity of our greater community. And while tonight's event is free, we would ask that you consider a donation to EDGE to ensure we are able to continue to present this type of fabulous programming. Just go to our website, click on the donate button. Every little bit helps. Thank you in advance for your consideration. So with that, I would love to introduce you to our friend, Izzy Rhodes, who's from the Thrivent team to share a little bit more about Thrivent, as well as to introduce our speaker for the evening. Izzy, welcome. Awesome, thanks, Todd, great to be here. Um, so I'm Izzy Rhodes and I serve on the community engagement team with Thrivent. At Thrivent, we help people achieve financial clarity so that they can live lives of meaning and gratitude. We know that there's a lot of uncertainty right now, and we believe there isn't enough conversation about making smart financial choices. We've developed five tips to survive living in quarantine financially, and we invite you to have a conversation with one of our financial professionals to discuss those tips specific to your personal situation. 
I also want to remind you that we are expanding our team and are looking for passionate financial professionals to come alongside people and provide them with the clarity they need on their financial journey. So if you or if someone you know is interested, please indicate that on the survey that you'll receive after this broadcast. Just another quick reminder for this webinar that if you have questions as we go along tonight, there is a Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. So if you have questions, feel free to put them in the chat box and we will address them at the end during the Q&A portion of tonight's content. So with that, um, I'm particularly excited tonight, both as a clinical social worker and as someone who has um, similar life experiences to our speaker. Um, and so I have the honor of introducing Nathan Harmon to you all. Nathan is an international speaker and the founder of Your Life Speaks. Your Life Speaks was born from Nathan's desire to see every person recognize their potential and realize that they are more than their difficult past. So please join me in welcoming Nathan. What is going on, everybody? It's uh, Izzy, thank you so much for the introduction, and it's an honor to be here with Edge and with Thrive It and all the general sponsors. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to be here tonight and to get to share with you um, just a little bit about my story. But I always say it this way, it's my story. It's all of you watching, it's your story. It's really the story. It's the story of people that honestly are pursuing purpose, are pursuing hope and want to pursue the fact that we as individuals we have value and we matter and i always say it this way every single one of us on here tonight every one of you watching this you were literally hear me on this you were literally born you were born to leave your fingerprints on history you were born to be better to achieve better to have better you were born to get to experience life you're literally born to leave your unique fingerprints on history through all and amidst all of your struggles your challenges your storms and every one of us on here tonight i just the one thing that i really hope that we we take away and that we can really leave here is is this that you are going to be okay that you're not alone even though sometimes you feel like you're alone that was a challenge that I had to really learn to navigate with that my feelings sometimes could lie to me because I felt like I was alone or I felt like I was a failure or I felt like they were talking bad about me or I felt, see feelings, I validate our feelings. We really feel that way, but feelings aren't always based in facts. And so tonight I, I wanna share with you uh, just a, a plethora of things and honestly what I want hopefully many of us to walk away from here knowing that it's okay to not be okay but that your life matters and you're not a failure and it's okay to be open and honest and transparent and that community and communication is one of the most valuable tools we have as people and and so let me just back it up and just share a little bit about my my story because i i do speak on mental health i i do have the privilege to travel all across the world um this last this last school year we were in tokyo and brazil and zimbabwe um in guatemala and and i got to speak in places and, and inspire people that honestly that wasn't really the intention it just kind of grew to that 
but I speak a lot on mental health and I speak a lot on, on substance abuse and just the challenges we as people face and that none of us on here are a product of our storm, but we will always be a product of how we navigate our storm. You're not a product of your environment. And I know some of your environments and your personal struggles and the things you've had to endure, the things you've had to deal with that's happened to you that you didn't ask for, you didn't sign up for, you didn't want to have to deal with the broken family or maybe the verbal, the mental, the physical, the sexual abuse. You didn't ask for some of these things that sometimes have knocked on our door. But what I promise you this is you're not a product of that, but you will be a product of how you look that thing in the face and say, you don't define me. I'm a product of how I decide to navigate through this. And, and so as I've had the opportunity to travel and to speak and to kind of uh, inspire a generation of people, uh, hundreds of schools and, and conferences and colleges all across the place, um, it didn't come because, well, I read a bunch of books to get necessarily the degrees um, to have the expertise from the knowledge of studies. And I, and I, had, and I, I appreciate the people that I've got to sit down and listen to that are those people that have dedicated their life to the studies and to growing and to really learning the space through the educational system. I'm going to, I'm actually going to be going back and doing some online classes, but a lot of my journey of how I've learned to navigate these same struggles was through experiences myself. I've, I've battled with suicidal ideologies. I tried to hang myself when I was 18 years old, I, I remember my life, it felt so broken, it felt so lost. It felt so, so much that I was kind of um, in, in a place of, of despair when I was a kid that I, I contemplated and not only contemplated, I, I climbed a ladder in my sister's garage and I, I grabbed the rope and, and I was on the brink of ending my life. Um, I didn't jump because I, I, I I honestly heard my mom's voice in that moment when I was contemplating, but I also realized that if I end my life, it wasn't going to solve really anything and that I was going just to give up and to say the world, well, you won. Life was just too tough and I quit. And there was something inside of me that just wouldn't allow myself just to do that because I was not going to let the world or what I thought the, the world was win. So I didn't. I've also battled an eating disorder of bulimia. I battled bulimia from 18 to 23 years old. I dealt with self-injury, self-harm. I've dealt with crippling anxiety and depression at times. I, people would probably say that I'm ADD. I've never been actually diagnosed, but I probably am. But here's my perspective. I think it's the biggest blessing that I've ever had, man. It's not working against me. It's working for me, my ability to go, go, go. And so I, I've had to, on my own journey, navigate some really challenging difficult times of this place in this space called mental health or mental wellness and, and and us understanding that um this isn't a foreign thing and i come from a broken family my mom and my dad got divorced when i was a kid and that was a really big challenge for me i, I come from just this this place where uh, I thought I had a picture perfect family um, because my parents, when I was a young man, they, they never fought in front of me. And I, I thought I had a picture perfect family. And then at the age of 14, my, my parents set us down and, and me and my sister and began to share about that 
things weren't picture perfect and there was a lot of verbal, mental, physical abuse and some things happened. And it really wrecked me because interwoven through all of my stories, also my faith in God. And uh, I was raised also in the church and knowing who Jesus is and Jesus was. Um, like many of us probably on here probably have had some, maybe some Christian roots. But when this also happened and my parents got divorced at a year early age, I remember that I, I blamed it all on God. God, if you're so good, and Jesus, if you're so good, and there's forgiveness and grace and all these church words that I knew, why the hell is my mom and my dad getting divorced, just being honest? And so I pushed faith away. I pushed family away. But what I didn't push away is what I learned from my surroundings that I bet many of you watching tonight you kind of have picked this up in your past before. And some of you maybe are in the space of beginning to um, uninstall this into your database of how you react. Maybe some of you are in the middle of actually this is your default setting. And what I mean by that is I learned through the middle of all of my struggles growing up how to put on this thing that I call the mask, the fake face, the fake smile, where you see everybody else having these picture-perfect lives and my parents, they always kind of showed me, like, you don't talk about your stuff. You always have to put out and project how everything's great, even though everything was tore up from the floor up. And I learned to master my mask from my early teenage years up to my early 20s. Uh, I was this young man that on the surface, everything looked picture perfect. But behind the mask, I was struggling. And I always say it this way that when we wear the mask and we don't allow our emotions and our feelings and our the things inside of us that we're dealing with out to find healthy releases pressure begins to build and pressure will bust pipes pressure if it's not dealt with appropriately social and emotional struggles life challenges and issues if we isolate and we don't begin to allow the people around us um, in proximity to help us, that pressure can be dangerous and disaster because it can cause us to make choices and decisions. That pressure can bust pipes. And so I wore that mask for many, many years and slowly the social and the emotional pressure, it began to build to a point where it became a tipping point. I went from a straight A student to a straight F student. I went from being a young man voted going to be one of the most successful students in high school and he graduated to being 18 years old expelled i skipped school 60 65 times my senior year i don't even know how that's possible i got involved with drugs and alcohol things that i told myself i would never do because one of the reasons my parents got divorced was because of also the substance my father was an alcoholic my mother was an alcoholic they they also had some other um, drug issues. And my life began from 14 to my early 20s to begin to spiral out of control because honestly, I, I didn't um, understand how the mask that I was wearing, you know, that mask that many of us really relate to, especially in the social media age that we can all put out a great post, we can all put on a great filter, we can all project a snippet of what our life looks like even though when the cameras aren't on that that's nowhere near where you are that many of us have learned how to project a certain kind of image but honestly on the inside when you look in the mirror 
that's not really who you are because you're screaming, but you're silent. Again, you're struggling, but you're quiet. Um, that was my story. I, 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 my life spiraled out of control because I wouldn't let anybody in. I didn't trust people. I bet a lot of us on here, sometimes we struggle with trusting people because of your previous experiences and people have let you down. You don't trust people. What I've learned is that people are people like me and people will fail us. Um, and that's okay if, if people let us down. We can't allow the humanity of others to stop us from using one of the most valuable tools we have, which is community. And that causes, and it, 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 it's, it, it's important for us to begin to open up and trust people. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. But this was my life. If from 14 to my early 20s, I was just spiraling out of control. And ultimately, um, the substance abuse got to me. And at 23 years old, when I was this young 14, 15, early adolescent, early teenager with such potential, by 23, man, my life was a shamble. I was suicidal. I was dealing with all of these issues. And I was involved also in a very bad accident at 23 years old, drinking and driving. And uh, my passenger named Priscilla Owens, she lost her life. Um, she came to pick me up to be my designated driver. And when she come to, came to get me, uh, when we went to leave, somehow I had gotten the keys to her vehicle. And we left and we, we didn't make it to our destination that night. And we hit a tree. And within 24 hours later, her family, uh, uh, within 24 hours later, she lost her life, Priscilla. And, and I woke up in a hospital bed and uh, life began to change radically there. And long story short, and this is the stories and the stories, and I won't dive too deep into it because I want to get to this thing that I call the five. But uh, her family, within 72 hours of my wreck, within three days, they contacted me and my family. And their conversation simply was this, Nathan, we don't think one dumb choice should destroy two families. Um, mistakes happen. We want you to know that we don't want this one decision to destroy everyone's life. And we're hurting and we're, we have all these emotions, but we feel compelled to forgive you. We feel compelled to let you know that we love you. And we're asking you to do two things. Don't let Priscilla die for nothing and try to make the world a better place. Now, that doesn't make any natural sense. Um, and that's when really God intersected my life in a powerful way because uh, being raised with an idea and an understanding about Christianity and, and Jesus, I had ran from that also throughout that, those years of struggles. I didn't want to have anything to do with belief or faith in God. But when everything came screeching to an abrupt halt, literally when I hit the tree, uh, when his family forgave me, all I was hearing is like my God's grace. His grace is sufficient for me. You can't outrun my love. And he intersected my life. And it was there that I really surrendered. And I, and I began to say, all right, God, if you're real, I got to know that you're real. I want to know that I know that you're real. Um, and I began to allow this idea of belief and having faith in something other than just me really back, enter back into my space. But even though the family had forgiven me, Indiana didn't. And uh, at 23 years old in 2009, uh, I was charged and sentenced to reckless homicide and sentenced to 15 years uh, to prison. 
Um, but clearly, if you do the math, I didn't do 15 years. That was in 2009. This is 2020. And I've been home now since 2013. I, I had gotten released 11 years early. And it wasn't just because, well, a magic light switch got switched and I, and I was able to walk free and clear. I began at the beginning of that journey of prison to, to really look in the mirror and begin to dig into some things. And this is really the meat of what I want to get with you guys tonight in this last 20 minutes is I began to realize that the mask that I wore for all those years uh, of not letting anybody into my space, of, of not realizing that it's okay to not be okay, I allowed um, the fear of trust. I allowed the fear of that. I refused to, um, uh, you know, just allow anybody to really assist me. I, I allowed all of that. And the very thing that I thought was supposed to keep me safe, that mask, it held me hostage. And so I had this moment of clarity um, in 2009 that I was done wearing the mask. And what I mean by that is I was done caring so much what people around me thought about me. You know, we all as people, we have such a consciousness of, of wanting to fit in with groups and crowds and cliques of people. And I was guilty of that. But it was in that moment I realized that I had to stop caring about what anybody thought about me. And I had to look in the mirror and realize that it's okay to not be okay. And if I didn't change some things, like nothing was going to change, right? So clearly the way I was trying to navigate my life from thir 13, 14 to 23, it wasn't working. Hence, I was in prison for 15 years. And so I had an honest moment that, you know what, I was going to change some things and that I was taken off the mask and I was going to start to be open and honest and transparent and to begin to, to let my, the tip of my toe begin to trust people and to trust the process. And what transpired over that is that I created and I developed these five habits that I call the five habits of my heart and my mind. Um, that's helped change my life. You know, today I'm 11 years sober. Today I'm 11 years free from suicidal thoughts. I'm 11 years free from self-injury and self-harming, my bulimia, my destructive behaviors. I'm 11 years free from all of those things. Uh, and honestly, I've, I've been home now since for the last seven years and, and doing it in this space of just trying to be a voice to inspire people to be transparent and inspire people to begin to trust and inspire people to be vulnerable. And so. The five that I call the five habits of my heart and my mind, they're simply this. They're transparency, they're accountability, they're hard work, they're good choices, and they're valuing people. Let me say them again. If you're taking notes, transparency, accountability, hard work, make good choices, and value the people around you. I begin to every day look in the mirror and say, today, I'm going to give today, just today, the most effort that I can have of being the best me possible. And what that meant for me was taking off the mask, which really is the word transparency. I decided to start living a life that was see-through. I decided that some of the people that I had, had made some friends with in the prison, um, because there were some real genuine people that cared about each other in there, that wanted people to do better, that could hold each other accountable, and I began to find the courage to be vulnerable and transparent and to live what I call is a see-through life, which means 
I began to allow people to hear my struggles, to talk about my struggles. I allowed myself to slow down and to be honest with my struggles. You see, in the world we live in today, our world's been a million miles an hour. We fill our plates full of every task and job. We are busy bodies. And so truthfully, in this time of, of, of COVID-19, when the world had really has kind of been you know, sheltered in place and we've had to social distance and we've had to kind of isolate to an extent, it brought me back to when my journey was when I was in that journey of, of the prison because it was pretty similar what's happened right now. Of, of Now, this is my choice. I can open and unopen and close my door currently. But I had a lot of time. And what we've all in this space right now, we've all had a lot of time because our schedules, for the most part, were very much white, clean, and slowed down. Yes, we're still communicating digitally. But for a lot of us, I would say time has been a pretty big thing that's been on your plate. And what I did with my time was this. I took the time to be honest and look in the mirror and say that it's okay to not be okay. It's also okay to begin to acknowledge some of the areas and the struggles in my, in my life that I know that I needed help with. And so transparency for me is when I found the courage to start just opening up with my circle of people around me. I'm not saying you open up and you share with any random stranger. That's not what I'm saying. But the people that you know care and value you, the, and, and you always will hear, I always have people say, what if you just don't have anybody, Nathan? I just don't have anybody. And I always say this, you're telling me you don't have not even one person that you think that cares about you. And they'll say, even if it's a teacher or a counselor or a coworker or a mentor or a parent, like there, for most of us, and I know there could be an exception where maybe you're totally alone and my heart breaks for you. And I would encourage you to reach out to Edge Mentoring if that's you. But it, it's this, we all have probably at least one person that we know they care and they value us. The reason we don't like to open up to them is because, well, they're probably going to hold you accountable. They're probably actually, they care about you. And once you begin to open up, they're going to be concerned. And so now we're going to have to really face that fear, that thing that has paralyzed us, that thing we've buried behind the mask. And so for me, when I began to be transparent and take off my mask, and to, and, and to baby step this thing. Because again, guys, this isn't about perfection. You, we never have arrived. We're always going to mental wellness and mental health. It's a daily thing for all people. Mental health isn't just the battle of suicidal thoughts or the battle of depression and anxiety. We all as a society want to have good, healthy mental health. Mental health is just looking in the mirror and realizing that we have value and we have purpose. And we all have that. This isn't just a stigma of you when you're having, you're battling your depression, your anxiety, or your suicidal ideologies, or your, your loneliness. We all have this, this call where we need to be focused on our good, healthy mental wellness. And what that means is, is that for me, when I found the courage to start to be honest and open up, you know, it not only was I being transparent 
for the people around me that could hold me accountable. But you watching this, man, you're phenomenal. And this is what I mean by that. You're a problem solver. You're resilient. You're here right now still watching this. And what transparency me and communicating did, it wasn't that I was waiting for one of my mentors or my friends or my parents or somebody in my circle to have an epiphany and tell me what I needed to do. When I'm being transparent, you know what I'm doing? I'm also talking to myself. I'm beginning to identify the problem. And the way that we solve problems to every math person on here watching this, step one is you have to identify the problem. So transparency is step one to acknowledging the fact that, you know what, there's some areas that I don't like to address, I don't like to face, because man, it's been a struggle. But when I began being transparent, the people that I was talking to, they were really a sounding board because I began to talk to myself. And I began to get into my spirit and into my heart that there was some areas that I really needed to begin to address and focus on. And so transparency, as I begin to find the courage to tell people, hey, I'm battling with suicidal thoughts, or hey, I've been battling bulimia, or hey, you know what, I really do have this really bad addiction. What happened is I began sharing the fear that I had for so long is the fear of what will they think or they're going to make fun or they're going to minimalize me or all, there's all these fears we create when we're thinking about being open and honest and owning our stuff and letting the outside world see it. Do you know what happened? Nothing bad really happened. Honestly, I felt better. And truthfully, the people that I started sharing with they were inspired and they were encouraged to start being transparent and opening up to me about their stuff. And so transparency began to birth this space called accountability. Here's accountability. It's this. For me growing up, I thought accountability was just someone's going to tell on me. Someone's watching over me. Someone's waiting to get me in trouble. That's not what accountability is. Accountability is this. Change, it's uncomfortable. Facing our fears, facing our demons, facing our struggles, facing our deficiencies, that's uncomfortable. No one likes to wake up and say, you know what, I have issues. That can be uncomfortable. So a lot of times, us that battle with this space, we want to change. We know we need to change. We know we should change. But you know what, a lot of times, nothing ever changes because change is uncomfortable. But when I began to have those people around me, that community, those support, that I found the courage to punch fear in the face and do it afraid, they began to open up and we built, built some relation, some friendship, some trust, and they become this accountability to me. And this is what accountability is. I used to always run and not want to change. But when they stood there next to me and I knew they cared about me, I didn't need them to tell me some great epiphany of how to do this and what to do here. Yes, there are vice and, and there is wisdom and, 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 and counsel around me. But honestly, what their biggest tool for me was accountability became my anchor. They would hold me. They couldn't make me change. They couldn't force me to change. They couldn't make me run away. But they could hold me in place when my emotion would rise up. And I would want to be uncomfortable 
And I would want to go back to being what I've always been and go back to isolating and go back to, no, they held me right there. Transparency and accountability, that community, that culture of people around me, man, it began to change my life. Truthfully, because two words that are great buzzwords right now that aren't just buzzwords, but they're honestly, they're, they're important characteristics that we all need. It's the word resiliency and it's the word perseverance. Those two words right now, we are hungry for all of us to have resiliency and perseverance. You know where those two things, those two characteristics are birthed, are born? They won't be out there by yourself alone. Yeah, you can withstand and you can make some progress somewhat on your own. But I'll tell you what, when you have a community and you have connection around you, that transparency and accountability, that's where resiliency and that's where perseverance is born and birthed. I always say this. You can go fast alone for a while, but we will go so much farther together. We're better together. And so transparency and accountability, those have been the two main pillars of my life that's given me this, this place of, of, of success and not as a success as, as that we've, we've made it by any, any way, shape or form. I still have daily battles that I have to use these tools but it's given me the space and the courage and the ability to begin to continue to navigate transparency and accountability. But then there comes hard work and there also becomes good choices. You see, hard work works. You've got to be willing to face the, the, the person in the mirror, you, and say, you know what? I'm going to give 100% of my effort, the best that I can. And now you're 100% maybe it, it's different. We're, we're all wired differently, but nobody can judge your effort except you. You know when you're committed. And maybe you're committed to that day. Uh, it, it was a struggle and there were some personal fails and there was some, some steps backward that you didn't intend to take. That's okay. But you know what I've learned to do? I own them. I'm honest about them. I don't make excuses. I, I have extreme ownership when I have those moments. I've empowered my accountability, my anchors around me. See, Community and connection is everything. I really am bothered a little bit with us using the word social distancing. I, I get it, but honestly, we have now the psyche with the season of social distancing. We don't need to be socially distant. We've never been at a time where we can be more socially active with Zooms and FaceTime and the internet. We need physical distancing so we can flatten the curve. We need physical distancing so we can continue to, to help people get healthy and, and, and not this this wave of this pandemic but we don't need social distancing as in not staying connected to people isolation never for the most part is a good thing there's good times to slow down to meditate to have your quiet space but we as people we were wired to live in community and so but that takes an intentional choice of hard work because for me, I was wired for a long time to isolate, wear the mask. I had to be committed to communicate. Write that down if you're a note taker. You have to be committed to communicate. You've got to be committed in this place that says, you know what? I'm going to open up. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak out. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to, I don't care what they think about me. They have their own stuff. You've got to be committed to communicating. 
And so with transparency and accountability came that hard work piece where I was willing to work at this thing called my mental health, about dreams and goals, um, facing my fears. That's a choice. Life's all about choices. And what's great about you watching this is that you have the choice every single day to say, you know what? It's not about perfection. I'm flawed. I make some mistakes, but I'm all in. I'm trying to be better. And it's okay if you battle these thoughts. There's a lot of us out there all around the world that are battling these things too. So transparency, accountability, hard work, good choices. It pretty much is self-explanatory. Make good choices, good things happen. Make bad choices, bad things happen. Feed what you want to grow. Starve what you want to die. And so I was focused on writing down some short-term goals. I actually, um, in 2009, when my wreck happened, when I began to, to finally stand and face that person in the mirror and take off the mask, I wrote the words, change the world, and I slapped them, and I put them in my bathroom mirror. And every single day, and actually here in my house, I could walk into my bathroom, and those same words, change the world, they're on my bathroom mirror today. Because every day, I look at those words that, it, that, that's given me a, a short-term and a long-term goal of something that I'm aiming to go after. Hard work works, make good choices, great things happen. And then the last one of the five, transparency accountability, hard work, good choices. It's value people. It's understanding that we're better together. And here's what I mean by that. Valuing people, it did something for me that I could never honestly gain just by somebody else encouraging me. Having people that can speak positively into your life, it's important. It has a very important role as a being connected to the body of people. But I know as a kid growing up or when I was in my early 20s and struggling, people would say, you know, Nathan, you know what? I believe in you. Don't give up. You're not a failure. Um, you're born for a purpose. But I would go home and I would look in the mirror and I didn't feel that way. Yeah, I heard you telling me that, but I didn't feel that way. And I know some of you watching this, you know exactly what I'm talking. You've had a lot of people speak into your life of the worth and the value that you have. And really, you do have it. You were born to leave your fingerprints on history. You are an amazing young man, young lady, person watching this right now. But there's been a lot of people that have spoken and mentored, try to inspire you, but you don't feel that way when you're by yourself. I get it. But how I've learned to overcome that is I've learned what I give away, I get to keep. And so when I learned to start valuing people, doing random acts of kindness in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my battle, I decided to be intentional to, to use my time to help somebody, community service, to use my time to encourage somebody else. And what began to happen when I started valuing people and caring about people, it did something that somebody encouraging me couldn't do. It created an experience in my life. Experiences change people. So when I started spending time with people and helping people, I knew when I walked away from that, that experience with them or that community service, I had this sense of self-worth and self-value because I couldn't deny the fact that I knew my life helped somebody. And subconsciously, it began to give me a real sense of worth a real sense of value, a real sense of purpose, transparency, accountability, hard work, good choices, valued people are these five habits of my heart and my mind 
that I've been navigating with, and it's given me since 2009 a place of freedom. And all of those masked in with that has been my faith and my relationship with God. Because all those transparency, accountability, hard work, good choices, and valuing people, those are all biblical principles. See, I always say this, you plus God will always be the majority. There's a lot of storms we're all facing right now in this time. I know it's a challenge, but listen to me. You're not alone. I know in a time when we are supposed to be social distancing and their definition is this by staying away from physically from people. Yes, but that doesn't mean that you can't be open and honest and transparent and being connected to your friends, to your family, being connected to peer groups and being intentional, committed to communicate. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, but it's taking it one step at a time. Um, and, and that's really tonight what I really wanted to share with you guys um, is that those five are, those are the five areas that I've been able to use in my life that's given me a place of success. I still have those battles and those thoughts, but you know what? Um, I've created a new set of habits, a new set of patterns. That's what makes people amazing. We can change. You can change and you can navigate. So I, I'm excited to be here, and I know we're gonna do some Q&A and some questions here in a second, and uh, um, I, I really I really wanna hopefully you guys fire away some questions and talk. I could talk to you guys for hours, right? Um, if you can't tell, I love to communicate. This is what I do, it's my passion. And so our normal talks are 90 minutes long, and so for 30 minutes here, it's, it's, it's working through a lot of stuff. So please, 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 let's get on and let's, let's ask some questions and, and let's, let's navigate this thing together. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Nathan, for just um, for your words and for sharing um, a bit of your story with us. I'm just, I'm really grateful. And um, it's just really, it's wonderful not only to hear you talk about transparency, but for you to be modeling for us what it means to be open and be willing to share our story, our whole story, the, the highs and the lows of it. So just thank you. Thank you so much for um, just your wealth of experience. Um, so we have a few questions here related to um, your content, but before we launch into those, I would just love to hear how has your life changed since um, COVID-19 or how has your life changed as a result of it? Uh, well, for, well, for me, for us is um, I'm a cup half full, not a cup half empty kind of person. I feel like perspective is everything in life, right? And so um, for, for, well, on a real sense, when this happened, uh, we had uh, March, April, and May was literally, I was, we were in the middle of a tour and we had 80 events through March, April, and May, 80 events. Uh, within 72 hours, they were gone. And so now they're we're rescheduling and all kinds of stuff. And that's, that, that'll work itself out. However, that works itself out. But instead of being discouraged, and I, I won't lie, there are those moments of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And there's the fears that try to rise. Really, God just spoke to my voice and said, you know, Nathan, for me personally, the most valuable tool that you will ever have is your time because you never get it back. And for most of us, um, our time had been allocated to our calendars. And so that time was spoken for. So I was getting a very rare opportunity that I was getting time back to reallocate, which isn't normal in society. So for me, I was excited to say, you know what, I'm going to use this time now for the most important thing in my moment was pouring into my family, spending time with my kids, 
building and developing deep, meaningful relationships. I think during this time, it's honestly that I know it's a struggle isolating, but I think mental health, the rise of that in the younger generation was unbelievably rising. I know I live in the space. I've, de- I've talked to, the, to literally Dr. Patel's from Harvard and, and I've sat and interviewed some of these, these great thought minds when it comes to mental health. I see this and have seen this as a time for many parents and mentors and families to connect back with their kids, to help them understand you are a part of this family unit. We love you. We're needed. So I think that this could be a huge blessing if we're intentional of pouring into each other and it can help lower suicide rates if we're committed to communicating. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, So we're getting several questions around um, transparency. Um, So what, what exactly does transparency look like, especially for those of us who have been taught um, not to wear our hearts on our sleeves, but also how do you balance that um, with like appropriate transparency and recognizing that, um, you know, people will make assumptions about us and and both not being paralyzed by that fear, but recognizing that's a part of it. Well, for me, first off, who cares what they think? I I mean, honestly, and I, so and I say that though is is when I'm talking about transparency, I'm I'm literally not saying you go and tell any random stranger your stuff, right? There's wisdom of knowing who to talk to and when to talk to. But but we all have these people in our circle, like I said, that for the most part we all have somebody. And so for me, transparency began just doing it afraid. Like it's gonna be fearful. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be like, it's never was comfortable for me to look in the mirror and talk to family and friends and say, hey, I'm bulimic. I have an eating disorder. Um, I struggle. It's an addiction. I can't stop it. It's never been easy for me to look in the mirror to fit friends and family and say, hey, in the time, like I have battled suicide multiple times. Like, hey, I, I've dealt with self-injury. It was never easy for me to say, you know what? I have a huge drug addiction. It's never easy to look in the mirror and to say, you know what? Um, so. Like those are, no matter how much we think about it, it's going to be uncomfortable. So I always say, don't overthink it because that's where anxiety and depression are born in. We what if, and we what if, and we start down this rabbit trail and we build this monster of fear that paralyzes us. I just say, do it afraid, man. You just got to find the people in your circle and set it in your mind. I don't give a rip. I don't give a flip what they think. I'm just going to share because I know they care about me. I know they love me and I'm just going to put it out there. And normally what happens is uh, it's never as bad as what you think it's going to be. Honestly, (laughs) you will feel a hundred times better. And truthfully, they'll probably start sharing some of their struggles and you realize, man, my transparency in the middle of my stuff, I'm also helping my brother or my sister or my mom or my dad. And so for me, transparency, what it looks like, it's just that you have to begin to do it afraid. So a practical sense, maybe to get to that space, you need to look in the mirror and just say it out loud a few times. Maybe before you even look in the mirror and and start talking about and putting words and thoughts to your feelings and your emotions and your struggles, you should write some things down. Really begin to share and to get, spend time on the areas that you know you're struggling in because Time is the most valuable tool we have. Whatever you put your time into, it's going to get better. It's going to grow. And so I think acknowledging it and then just, you just kind of got to do it. And there's no, I wish, 
I wish I would be like, listen, it's going to be the most exciting. It's going to be the most, you know, peaceful. No, you're going to be a little bit on edge. You're going to be a little freaked out. But once you start doing it, you create a new habit and it becomes so much easier because you stop really caring what they think. Because ultimately, truthfully, and I don't mean it's any disrespect, it doesn't really matter what they think. This is your life. This is your story. This is your journey. I've learned I don't let people use my story against me. This is my story for me. Your story, my story, everybody who's watching this story, you're somebody else's miracle. People need to hear your struggle. People need to hear your story because when you begin to speak up and to speak out, there are people out there that are dealing with the same thing. And so I just, I'm just honest. You got to do it afraid. You just got to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you're absolutely right, right? Transparency breeds transparency, right? So just as you've been modeling it for us tonight, I think when we do kind of are willing to address our fear and go out and try it, that we might be surprised at how us being open and willing to share then invites that in the other person. So yeah, thanks for that. I think too, you know, you, you talked a lot about just getting over the almost paralyzing, I think, anxiety sometimes of taking that first step. And you named a couple other of practical tools to start to practice transparency um so like saying it out loud maybe to yourself in a mirror or even journaling i love i, I know several friends of mine are writers and it's really therapeutic for them to, to kind of start to learn their own voice do you have any other kind of just practical tools or steps you, that we can use you know what's amazing i think that I've, I've 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 shared this with some 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 communities is that a text message with one of those it, it, it can be a powerful tool because you may have, be intimidated of the conversation. You can be intimidated of, of actually having to face them and look them in the eye. But really what we need you to do is just to begin to let somebody else close to you acknowledge it. So sometimes writing the text out of saying, hey, I want to talk about this area or the struggle and, and, and put, some, put some, a little detail to it with that person that you trust and then find the courage. All you got to do is find the courage not to, not to go to them not to have the whole conversation. You just got to find the courage for one instant to hit sin. You just got to find the, the, the courage for one second to hit sin. And then you'll probably freak out and be like, oh my God, what did I just send? But again, you're not telling any random stranger. You're telling that person that you know is in your circle and, and that will begin a dialogue. And then you got to be committed to the communication piece, right? So for me, I think how I've learned that that transparency is, is you got to do it. You got to practice it. You got to talk about it, but you also can't overthink it. You can't, I always say this, how many of you who battle anxiety or depression, do you find yourself when you're struggling? Do you go to your room and do you listen to I hate life music? And they're like, all these hands get raised. I'm like, stop it. Like, I, I know that may be your favorite artist and they, that song, you just feel it relates to you. But it's just feeding that self-destructive mentality. I'm not telling you have to divorce yourself from your favorite artist, but maybe when you're feeling that way, don't listen to the I Hate Life song, but maybe find some positive music that can uplift you. Music's a powerful tool too. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, thanks for that. So I think we have time for one last question and we've had several um, all kind of touching on, it sounds like we've, which I'm not surprised, lots of people whose stories are, um, intersecting with certain parts of yours. So whether it's um, struggling with an eating disorder themselves or struggling with cutting or having a close family member or a child um, who's struggling, you know, what, um, as we kind of wrap up here, what words of hope um, for them? Because I think we all, whether we have those particular struggles or different ones, we're all kind of struggling with the sense of hopelessness. So what 
what kind of words of encouragement of hope would you have for us as we wrap up? I would say this to anyone listening to this tonight is, is, is for one just to breathe. Um, your feet are on the ground. You're sitting in your chair, laying on your couch, laying in your bed right now, watching this. Maybe you're taking some notes. I want you to know that you're going to be okay. I want you to know that, that it's okay to not be okay. I want you to know that you're not alone in this. There are so many of us just like you um, that, that the, the range of struggles are all over the place. And even though maybe there's some things that I haven't experienced that you're experienced listening to this, I know there's people around you that have. And that just because you have these thoughts, these issues, these struggles, it doesn't make you weird, strange, or different. Just because you have these thoughts, these feelings, and these struggles doesn't mean that you're a failure. What it means is that you're a broken crown like I am. But the cool thing about broken crowns, they color too. You can't tell if I colored a picture with a brand new crown box or if I colored a picture with broken crowns, the end product is beautiful. Well, I'm not a very good artist, so the end product is still pretty ugly regardless. But anyways, <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, is that with your issue, with your struggle, with if, if it is a chemical imbalance, if you are somebody that's medically diagnosed with some of these things, that's okay. Don't let that live rent free in your head. Don't let others define you. You can continue to operate and to navigate your space fearlessly one step at a time. One step, one step, one step. I am tore up from the floor up. I have a lot of issues and struggles, but I refuse to allow the fears and the opinions of others to hold me hostage. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to be open and transparent. I'm going to be vulnerable because I know my freedoms in that space. I know my, 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 so that's what I would share if you're watching this tonight. Listen, you're okay. You're, you're in a perfect space. You're right where you need to be because you know what? You give that stuff to God. You begin to open up your life. You're somebody else's miracle. Nathan, what do you mean? How can I be somebody else's miracle? I'm a, I, I've been through this. I've got this. I have nothing. No, you have a story and your story, you get a paint by what you continue to how you open up and share your story. Your story is somebody else's miracle. I promise you, trust me, try me, open up. Start using it. Start allowing your story to be a weapon of vulnerability and you will inspire people and that will give you real self-worth and self-value. What we give away, we get to keep. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like uh, Nathan should drop the mic right there and anything I say as a conclusion is going to fall so short uh, to everything you just build up, Nathan. It's... Uh, your transparency, your vulnerability, your credibility, um, and your message of hope is so needed. I mean, I'm just thinking of my own story from my children to myself, my wife, Deb, to my parents, your message plays to everyone. And uh, there are so many miracles that you are going to prompt through your hard work and through your story. And we are so thankful that you shared it with us tonight at Edgeman. So thank you, thank you. Izzy, as always, uh, you are a, a maestro of the Q&A and of the moderation. Thank you as well. Thrivent First Person, our general generous anonymous donor, thank you for supporting this series. There uh, will be a quick survey as you log off from Zoom, and we would ask that you take it and tell us about your experience this evening. 
And again, I'd humbly ask that you consider donating to EDGE through the link on our webpage so that we can continue to provide compelling speakers like Nathan. We hope to see you all next week when we have New York Times bestselling author and speaker and uh, a big EDGE favorite, Mark Batterson, who will be joining us. You're not going to want to miss Mark. He will bring uh, a terrific perspective as well to our series. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Be safe. Be well. We will see you next week. Nathan, thank you again. Good night.